This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour live this morning from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. It is the Father's Day edition of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. So to all the fathers out there, have a fantastic Father's Day. As usual with me in studio, my co-host Naz Marchese. And Naz, uh, a happy Father's Day to you. Same to you, Wally. And uh, certainly have... uh, I have great memories of your dad, uh, Naz and I, for uh, listeners out there. Naz and I have known each other for a long, long time, spent a lot yeah. of time with each other, and uh, had some fantastic Saturday nights in the, in the 70s watching hockey at, uh, at your palace uh, with your dad, who was, uh, who was a fantastic Leafs fan. And, yeah, he's a, he was one of the biggest Leaf fans around. Yeah, sure. we, we, certainly, we certainly miss him, miss my dad as well. Yeah. And uh, I remember your dad, uh, Leafs, nothing's much changed in 40 years because... Uh, <laughs> Because uh, he'd, he'd, he'd often refer to Leafs' performance by one word. It would start with a B and it would end with a T. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, I'll, I'll leave you to fill in the details in between. Anyways, once again, it's Father's Day. We've got a great show lined up for you. Um, three, three fabulous guests today. We're talking about three different topics. Uh, Quentin Lutz, who uh, has been on the show before, is on our U.S. Open uh, discussion about Chambers Bay, um, uh, one of the... Raiders for Golf Magazine, we're certainly going to talk about the U.S. Open, which is going to be huge this afternoon. Nick Boynton, perhaps you'd like to uh, introduce Nick Boynton to the listeners. Yeah, Nick is a Nobleton resident, Nobleton, Ontario, where I come from now. And uh, he played on the 2010 Stanley Cup winning team for Chicago, and he's the color man with the Arizona Coyotes. So he'll uh, be able to give us a lot of insight into the Stanley Cup and... The situation in Arizona. Yeah, the crazy, crazy, crazy nonsense stuff, that's going yeah. on down in Arizona. And, of course, uh, Arizona has the third pick. Uh, the other big story coming up this week is the NHL draft. Of, uh, uh, com- uh, I believe it's, uh, yeah, of course, it's this week. And Arizona's got the third pick. And everything's going to fall uh, behind that draft depending on Arizona, what Arizona does. And uh, certainly we want to talk to Nick Boynton about his insight about where Arizona may be going with that third pick because that's going to have a heavy influence on what happens to the Leafs. Yeah, for sure. And uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're really, really pleased to, uh, to announce that we're going to be talking to uh, Blue Jays legend Pat Henkin. Uh, certainly very, very fond memories of Pat Henkin. Pat Henkin, of course, one of the classiest, uh, classiest men ever to wear that Blue Jays uniform. Uh, still, uh, still works in an advisory capacity uh, with, the, with the Blue Jays. And uh, because it is Father's Day, Pat Henkin, certainly uh, it's a special day for him today. And certainly some memories for Pat Henkin because he, he lost a very beloved father earlier this year. So it's certainly a fitting tribute 
to have Pat Henkin on the show. And, and a Cy Young Award winner, too. First, first Blue Jay first Cy Blue Young Jay, Award yeah. winner. and uh, Quite the pitcher. Quite the pitcher, quite the gentleman, and uh, certainly uh, looking forward to talking about uh, some of the young Blue Jays pitchers that he's had a, he's had a hand in developing uh, uh, in his work with the Blue Jays and uh, certainly talking about uh, some of the great Blue Jay teams of the, uh, of the early 1990s. Those were certainly some fantastic memories, uh, and it's always a pleasure to talk to a man of uh, Pat Henkin's stature to talk about some uh, some fantastic memories for Blue Jays fans. Yeah, he was uh, he was quite the pitcher and uh, class guy. Class, class guy. guy. So certainly we're we're uh, that's going to be uh, really really uh, uh, fun and interesting to talk to Pat later on in the hour. Uh, we'll be back right after the break with Quentin Lutz, and we'll be talking about the U.S. Open. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked me to introduce their new fast dial number just for cell phones by singing it. <clears throat> pound three six three six no pound three six three six no. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. Ooh, ooh. Come on, baby, pound three six three six. <laughs> Let's go ring to it. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North deck systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. 
Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And, of course, it is U.S. Open Sunday. Uh, They are at Chambers Bay in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And we have with us on the line this morning Quentin Lutz. Quentin Lutz uh, rates uh, courses for Golf Magazine, has played every great golf course in the world. In fact, the youngest person to have ever played the top 100 in the world. And uh, Quentin, you, uh, good morning, Quentin. How are you? Great to be with you, Wally, and that's uh, always good to be on the show. It's fantastic. Last time we had you on was last U.S. Open Sunday. Of course, we uh, were talking about Pinehurst last year, and uh, the USGA and the Infinite Wisdom has decided to take a different, uh, different approach this year and gone to a different place. You've played all the great golf courses of the world. You're familiar with all the great U.S. Open courses. Chambers Bay, uh, Quentin, give us your assessment. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's funny you ask. There's been a lot of talk about it, especially from the player side and, and whether or not it's a, a fair, open setup. And, and you've heard Gary Player sort of come online and talk about his, his critique of the course. You know, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if the course is set up for everybody to play it the same way. I don't think there's anybody that gets an advantage. It is a U.S. Open setup. But I think if you start complaining about it as a player, you go in with the wrong mindset. I'd like to see these guys, you know, suck it up and understand that everybody's playing the same course. Now, the one thing I don't necessarily agree with is changing the par on holes 18 and number one. I, I don't necessarily think that's good for, a, for an open setup. I think it creates a lot of questions. And I do agree that players go in with a game plan, and, uh, you know, that certainly um, makes it more difficult to do that. Quentin, uh... This is this open has uh, been set up uh, largely as the result of a gentleman by the name of Mike Davis at the at the right. USGA. And Mike Davis is certainly one of the most respected. He's certainly one of the most respected people in golf, and he he seems to taking be taking a bit of a criticism. But it seems to me that Mike Davis has has a vision that he wanted. You saw it at Pinehurst last year, and it, it seemed, and obviously you see it at Chambers Bay this year. He wants to make the U.S. Open into something a little bit different. Uh, and it's not just, you know, uh, old-style northeast U.S. golf courses with rough and trees and slick greens. Is, is, is that your sense of what – are they trying to recreate the U.S. Open with a different vision? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, a couple things happened at Chambers Bay. Number one, um, I know that Mike Davis and the USJ is making a commitment to moving courses to, um, to public facilities from time to time. Um, you know, Chambers Bay was built with the intent of hosting, you know, major championships and hosting an open, the U.S. Open at one time. So I know that Mike Davis and the USJ were heavily involved from the very beginning. Um, 
to say that they're changing the way a U.S. Open looks, I don't know, necessarily think that's the case. I think what they're trying to do is vary, vary the looks. And I don't necessarily agree with, um, you know, some of the setup changes. You know, these greens were not meant to run at 13. I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. Uh, and they're only getting firmer and faster as the, uh, as, as the day goes on, you know, as the days go on because they're not getting any, uh, any water. So they're getting crispier. They're getting more difficult. And I don't necessarily think the greens were, were made to handle that sort of speed. However, I don't necessarily disagree with changing the venues and changing the sort of U.S. Open perspective or, or you know, venue. But the common, uh, common thing out there with the fans out there, they're saying that it imitates the British Open and they don't like that part. What do you think of that uh, notion? Well, you know, I mean, it's not... It's not necessarily Lynx Golf. I think that, um, you know, by definition, Lynx Golf is courses that are built on Lynx land. And, and Chambers Bay certainly wasn't that. It was a course that was built on a, um, on a brownfield, essentially, on a mine. And, it was, and, and for that reason, you were able to take advantage of the various elevation changes. Uh, but I think you get that misconception that that's a Lynx course. It, it, it really isn't a Lynx course. It's a, it's a sort of mine uh an old minefield that had a makeover and is meant to look like a lynx, but it really isn't. So for people to compare it to the British Open, I think is a little bit of a stretch. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting from the standpoint that it gives people a different perspective and certainly from the public offer standpoint to be able to play where the, you know, where the great players play is a, is a very intriguing idea. Okay, so we're, of course, talking to Quentin Lutz. Quentin Lutz is, uh, rates uh, courses for Golf Magazine, has played and rated uh, all the great golf courses of the world. And we're talking, of course, about Chambers Bay, the U.S. Open venue site. So some of the things that are, uh, I mean, you've read all the all the criticisms of Chambers Bay, Quentin. Uh, sure. uh, um, and Gary Player went off on, on an incredible rant yesterday, quite surprising, to, to be honest with you. And... Uh, the, the one part about Chambers Bay, um, I think either you love it or you hate it. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of it, but, uh, I mean, they, 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 there's some new buzzwords in golf this weekend. Sideboards, backboards, uh, bounces. I, I, it's almost like we're talking about basketball rather than golf. But interesting part about Chambers Bay is, you know, you know and uh, you see it on the 12th hole, uh, it's that long par four, uh, they hit, or the long par, I can't remember if it's a reachable par four, they hit it with a three wood yeah. up into the top of the hill in the fescue, and then they hope that it bounces down onto the green, and when it hits the green, it rolls around in a circle. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I find that, quite frankly, a bit gimmicky, but you, you've got more, uh, more insight into, into great golf courses and have traveled a hell of a lot more than I have. Um uh, how do, you, how do you feel about those types of bounces and those types of rolls? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm sort of a purist from that standpoint. I mean, I, the rub of the green has been a big part of the game since, since day one. You know, I mean, you, look at, you look at the old course and uh, you look at Royal St. George is another great example in the U.K. Uh, down in Deal. And, and it has a lot of that, right? It has a lot of that sort of um, uh, sideboards and, and, and fake uh, false fronts and what have you. So I think that the player needs to go in with a game plan. Um, they're all driving the 12th. That's correct. But, you know, that course, that hole was not set up to be driven. It was, it was, it was really set up or it was designed to 
be hit with a rescue or a five iron that you know the layup in a position where you're coming in with uh, with a 60 degree or a, or a 56 degree wedge so that you can you have a chance to score. So you know the, the the pros are taking a completely different look at this than than what the amateur golfer is. So I, I think it's I think it's quite interesting, quite frankly. You know I don't I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Uh, Quentin, who's the best suited to win the U.S. Open with uh, four guys tied for the lead and one of them being Jordan Spieth, who's already won the Masters? Uh, who's your pick? Yeah, I tell you, I, I think one of the best stories of this this year's U.S. Open is, is Jason Day suffering from vertigo and coming out and shooting two under par yesterday. I mean, if that, if that isn't one of the most <laughs> incredible amazing. stories of the year. Um, now, do I want him to win? I'm sort of pulling for Jordan because he's the no, he's the new Tiger Woods in my opinion. But but for Jason, if Jason Day pulls this thing off, it's going to be it's going to be one of the most incredible stories in sports this year. Yeah, my my uh, I'm I'm putting my money on uh, Jordan Spieth as well. He's uh, he's my favorite young golfer, and he can accomplish something today that's only been accomplished by the very 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 greats of the game which is to win, uh, win the U.S. Open in the Masters at, in the same year. And he's going to be in, in some pretty heady company here. Hogan, Nicholas, Palmer, and Woods would be incredible wow. if, if Jordan Spieth became, uh, became the, the fifth one. That's in that, not in a that, bad that, list. That, that's not a bad <laughs> list. It's a very, very, very exclusive list. There was one other gentleman, I believe, in, in, in the war that wanted, whose name escapes me. But in the post-war era, post-war era, only Hogan, Nicholas Palmer, and Woods have won the U.S. Open and the British Open in the in the same year. So, I'm certainly pulling for Jordan Spieth. I think he's he's got a fantastic game. And it, as the commentator said yesterday, it's hard to believe he's only 21 years old. Anyways, uh, Quentin, Quentin, we uh, we really appreciate you joining us and. Uh, Talking about Chambers Bay, uh, we wish you all the best. And next year, the U.S. Open is coming to uh, coming to Oakmont, I believe, a course that we're both yep, familiar with. Right. So uh, uh, certainly the U.S. Uh, USGA is uh, returning to a more traditional venue next year, and uh, we're certainly uh, we've got we've got a date to play Oakmont later on this fall. So I uh, look forward to hooking up with you there. Look forward to it, Wally. Thank you, Naz. Thank you both. Thanks, uh, Have a great time, and enjoy the rest of the Open. We really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts. Really appreciate it, Quentin. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. Of course, that was Quentin Lutz. Uh, uh, rates uh, rates golf courses for Golf Magazine, and uh, interestingly enough, Chambers Bay, I believe, in in Golf Magazine is rated Not somewhere in the top hundred. No, think. no, no. In Golf Magazine, it's rated somewhere between sixty. Not in the top hundred. You're right, Naz. Uh, it's rated between sixty and seventy in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And in Golf Digest Magazine, it's rated, I think, a hundred and thirtieth in. Uh, in in the U.S., not in the world, mm-hmm. and of course those, you know, rating golf courses are so full of politics that. Uh, but Chambers Bay will, after the U.S. Open, it will rocket up the rankings, just because more people have have seen it, and uh, you will see it in a lot of top hundred lists in the world probably next year. Yeah, the scores haven't been great. I mean, there's four under, there's four guys, and then there's one under the next set, right? Well, so. I, I tell you, the USGA, the way they set up U.S. Open courses, they uh, they really hate uh, they really hate having uh, under par courses, and uh, they uh, four under. They're they're going to set this thing up pretty tough today. I'm well, sure. you, well, you made a comment on uh, Tiger Woods that he should give it up. 
I did last week, and I haven't changed my mind. I tweeted, um, if, in case people are interested in, in, in reading my tweets at Naz Wally Show, I tweeted uh, this week that I thought on Tuesday, I thought Tiger was going to have a horrible week this week. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, you were right there. Um, he just uh, he just looks like a shell of of himself. He um, he uh, he's physically uh, doesn't seem well. Uh, seems to be limping or grimacing with his back, and and mentally, uh, the, the you know his game's just got to it's got to be shattering him. I, I don't know. I mean, he just looks he looks defeated out there. Um, is it time for him to retire? You know, you know he's got he's going to have to discuss that with uh, with his with his swing coach, with himself, and with his advisors. Uh, I'd I'd really hate for him to continue on playing uh, at this level. It's just uh, unless he turns it around at some point or or um, or uh, takes some time off. But to see Tiger out there hacking and slashing. And you know, hitting it forty yards off the fairway, and you know, duffing his chips. Um, you're you're talking about one of the great athletes of all time. Yeah. And it's and it's just his game has this his game has disintegrated to a level that is is unfathomable. Um, yeah, he was the best by by a long shot. Yeah. Like he was ahead, way ahead of anybody else. And yeah. like to see him go from there to where he is now is just un- uh, incredible. I, I mean, it's it's not unprecedented in the uh, in the world of golf. Um, uh, similar fate happened to uh, Seve Ballesteros, who yeah. uh, Seve Ballesteros was a fantastic golfer yeah. in his prime, but when he when he when he lost it, he you know, he, he just sort of disappeared. Um, and some of these guys cannot get their game back. I mean, let's be, let's, let's be frank about Tiger Woods. Um, he just, uh, you know, he's 39 years old. He's going to be almost 40. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the history of golfers being able to dominate at that age, there aren't there are yeah, very but v, very Singh very won twenty few. tournaments in his forties. Yeah. So, so there are guys yeah. that are but playing VJ, well in VJ Singh wasn't uh, wasn't winning uh, you know fifty tournaments in his twenties. No. no, no, that's true. Right, and VJ Singh wasn't uh, you know and I don't know when he started playing golf, but probably you know Tiger Woods. Is he may have physically broken down? He may have mentally broken down too. He's been well, you doing can see it. See why he would mentally be broken down because of his uh, his lifestyle, right? I right? mean, it all caught up to him. And I that's mean, what he's happened. he's been doing it since he was three years old. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, I mean, he was on the Mike Douglas show when he was three years old, and his father put him under, you know, a great deal of pressure. You know, and when he was five, six, he was tournaments at the age of six, seven, eight. You know, some of these. Some of these guys, they just, he seems to, aside from the physical aspect of it, aside from the fact that when he gets up there and swings the golf club, it almost seems like he doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He just, yeah. he's, he seems like he's thinking way, way too much, way too much, and he's just not playing golf. As, you know, we, you know we've had Sean Clement on the, uh, talking about Tiger Woods for the last couple of weeks, and that's his assessment of Tiger Woods. And it's funny how we've got the U.S. Open today, and that what do we come back to? We talk about Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods for sure. I mean, he was the story. He was the story on uh, on Thursday and Friday. More Thursday because after Thursday, I actually thought after Thursday, I, you know, I got to give him credit. I thought he, he hung in. He hung in. He shot an he shot an eighty one, and 
you know, poor Ricky Fowler you know, had to, had to, you know, it almost felt like Ricky Fowler got dragged down at the same time. But, um, you know, he hung in and he faced the media and he faced the music and he just looked like a, he just looked like a beaten warrior for all intents and purposes. But, you know, uh, the golf world is not thrilled that Tiger's going through this, so we, we'd love to see him pop out of it. But uh, I'd like to see him come back. It, it was exciting when he played. I mean, I mean, he had people involved in the game. I would love to see him come yeah. back. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Uh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think, uh, in my assessment of it, it's, I, think, I think there's a combination of factors. And the one factor he cannot control is, is father time. And he's 40 years old and... You know, you look at you look at the examples. Tom Watson, uh, Arnold Palmer, they weren't winning majors after the age of 35. And Tom Watson, Tom Watson, who dominated golf for let's say five or six years, or you know, he him and him and him and Jack Nicklaus went toe to toe for a while, and Tom Weisskopf was part of that mix, and so was Lee Trevino. You know, some of the great great players of the 70s and, and early 80s. You know, Tom Watson, he, you know, when he lost his short game at the age of 35, you know, he couldn't, yeah. uh, he couldn't win majors anymore. And in fact, you know, later on, he was hitting the ball off the tee better than he ever did. But when, he, when, they, when golfers lose the ability to get up and down, and when they lose the ability to sink those four to six footers under pressure, um, they can't, they can't do it anymore. But certainly this afternoon, we are going to be looking, and it's going to be this afternoon and this evening, uh, focusing on some of the great young talent in the game. Certainly there's a new generation of golfers taken over in Jason Day and uh, Jordan Spieth and mm. Dustin Johnson, yeah. who, uh, who hits a huge, huge ball, the longest driver on tour. Um, certainly they, uh, uh, they are going to have an exciting finish this afternoon. Yeah. Jordan Spieth, if he wins today, then uh, we got uh, looking at the Grand Slam. That's a big, a big that would be a, that would and be an incredible he's accomplishment. Got the, he's got the temperament to do it. This kid, you know, he's he's very calm and he handles the pressure really well. You never know. You never know. So we're certainly uh, certainly looking forward to that. We're trying to get uh, Nick Boynton on the line. Unfortunately, we're unable to connect so far. Uh, of course, we've got the. Uh, we'd love to talk to him about the um, the uh, the Arizona Coyotes and and draft day coming up and. Uh, we do have draft day coming up this week, Naz, and uh, your assessment. Obviously, we're we're waiting for bated breath to see what the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs uh, want to do, and uh, certainly we'd uh, we uh, have an interesting take on that. Your assessment? Well, Arizona. There are reports that they're going to take Dylan Strom third, and if that happens, the Leafs would have the opportunity to take the number one defenseman in the draft. Who that number one defenseman is is uh, is difficult to say because there's a couple of them, Hannafin and Provorov from uh, Western Canada, the Russian player playing in the Western Junior Hockey League. If I were the Leafs and Strom went to uh, Arizona, I would definitely take the the top defenseman for sure. Anyways, we're going to go to break now. We're going to see if we can get a hold of Nick Boynton. But before we go to break, uh, we just want to make an announcement. One of our... Uh, well, our main sponsor, of course, is Pizzaville, who's been a large supporter of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We just want to remind our listeners, they have a special uh, special thing going on today for Father's Day. And we really salute the, the good people at Pizzaville for this initiative. Uh, any online order today on Father's Day, 
Pizzaville will donate $1 to Prostate Cancer Canada. So please, please go to pizzaville.ca. One out of every eight men in Canada will be diagnosed with prostate cancer at some point in their lives with devastating effects on them and their families. You can do something today to to help out with that. You can go to pizzaville.ca. You can order a pizza, and $1 of that will go to Prostate Cancer Canada. And also the good people at Pizzaville, we want to thank them because they're kind enough to donate a $50 gift certificate. So if you are the first caller at the following numbers, 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740, call in, you will win a $50 gift certificate at Pizzaville. We will be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville introduced their new fast dial number for cell phones. It's pound 3636 and you can dial it from anywhere. Want pizza at the park? Pound 3636. Wings by the water? Pound 3636. Ponzo combo at the cottage? Pound 3636. Salad at the... uh, Someone stop me. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. With a True North deck system, you could be sunning, lounging, and relaxing instead of sanding, scraping, and painting. The True North deck system, the deck that's Canadian manufactured for our Canadian climate, comes with a limited lifetime warranty. You get a durable, double-sided finished deck system that's easy to install, eco-friendly, and virtually maintenance-free. Enjoy your summer. Ask about True North Deck Systems at Lowe's or visit them online at trunorthdeck.com. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. 
Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on the Father's Day edition. Uh, we'll be pleased to take your calls. Uh, give us a call at 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Just want to uh, remind our listeners that uh, it's a special day for Pizzaville today, our sponsor. They have a special promotion on uh, that uh, – you should, uh, if you order pizza today, uh, please uh, please go online. For any online order on today's Father's Day, Pizzaville will donate $1 to Prostate Cancer Canada. You go to pizzaville.ca, order a pizza, and $1 will be donated to Prostate Cancer Canada. Great cause, too. Great cause. Absolutely a great cause. Anyways, we'd, uh, we've got Earl from Oakville. Earl, what's on your mind this morning? Hi, guys. Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Happy Father's Day. Same thank to you. you. Thank you so much. I'd like to ask you about the uh, CFL East. What do you, who do you think is going to win the division? The CFL East. Mm-hmm. The favorite should be the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You think so? Uh, what about Montreal and that new guy that they have there? Uh, I, the Alouettes seem to me they, uh, to be in the middle of the pack. I don't see them to be challenging for the... Uh, really? For the, eh? Yeah. I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats are the team. I like them too, pal. Naz, okay. uh, you're, uh, you're a big Argo fan. Uh, I don't know if you booked your tickets for Fort McMurray yet, but... Uh, not quite. Not quite. Where are you lining up the Argos for this year? Uh, they lost Ricky Ray. Uh, for He's going to be gone for, for most of the season, so it doesn't look like he's going to play at all. And I'm not sure who's going to start for the Argos, but they've looked okay in the preseason. But preseason... Doesn't mean anything in the CFL. It means nothing, and they've got a they've got a really tough uh, yeah. they got a tough road because I they, if I think they've got their first five games are are, uh, are out of town, and uh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, it, it is going to be starting tough for five them. games on the road is going to be tough. Anyways, we've got Mike from Hamilton. Mike, uh, good morning, and what's on your mind this morning? Yeah, happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Thank Thanks. you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you're welcome. Just wanted to say, uh, Joe Quenville, he's three for three in the Stanley Cup Finals, <laughs> as you know. Where does this rank him in, in, in terms of history with Chicago? Like, Al Arbor was 4-for-5 radar, and uh, Sather was 4-for-4, four four, and Scotty Bowman winning three times, or winning nine times with three different teams. I think 20 years ago he lost in the finals, but basically, um, like, if Quenfo wins another one, where does this rank him, do you think? Oh, I think it ranks him right up at the top with uh, with uh, Babcock and all the rest of them. He could be passing Babcock. Yeah, with uh, those uh, uh, stats and uh, winning the Stanley Cup three out of three and then four out of four. That'd be an amazing feat in this day and age, especially with the number of teams in the NHL now. Well, that's uh, very difficult. Mike, great question. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, Appreciate your call. Uh, 
You know, we had that uh, we had that debate uh, on the show uh, when, when the Leafs hired uh, Mike Babcock, and I took I got a lot of criticism for that by s- suggesting that perhaps Mike Babcock, uh, although a great coach, didn't necessarily stand above uh, above and beyond his peers. And uh, and I used the example of Joel Quenville. Um, Joel Quenville deserves to be discussed uh, as an NHL coach should, deserves to be discussed at the same level as Mike Babcock. You know, I'm sorry, you know, people don't like to hear me say that. Uh, Mike Babcock is the Messiah. He's a great coach, and I don't deny he's a great coach, but Joel Quenville's a great coach too. And to be able to do what he's done um, with that team, uh, three Stanley Cups in, in that period of time, and if you look down the roster, it hasn't been, it hasn't been you know, there's a really fantastic core well, they there. They have a really good core player. They've got so. a really good core, the, the core of four or five, uh, but uh, the, the the rest of the roster is substantially different than it was f- from the first Stanley Cup. So you know you can you can credit Stan Bowman, you can credit Scotty Bowman, uh, but I I think Joel Quenville, for some strange reason, isn't considered one of the great great coaches, and I don't know why. Well, here's here's a comparison. We're going to have Pat Hankin on pretty soon. Here's a comparison: Cito Gaston, ninety two ninety three wins the World Series, right? He had two really good teams, a great team and not a and a, and a, not as good a team in '93. I, I didn't think, but still very very good. But it takes somebody to manage that and carry them through, for sure. Well, you know, there's no question about that, and that's and that's part of the secret of success of both Chicago. I mean, these 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 are wins for players, their wins for coaches, and their wins for successful organizations. And, and it starts from the very top. And, you know, th- we've, had th- we've had this discussion with, uh, with Butch Carter on the show a few times. Um, uh, and he's, he always goes back to the concept of if you want to change, if you want to change the success, you have to change the structure of the organization. Yeah. And... Uh, and and you look at Chicago, and you look at Detroit, and what do you have? You have stability. You have stability. You have passionate owners at the top, and certainly Chicago's owner, uh, when he took over, ch- you know, changed the changed the uh, the way they do things around mm-hmm. there. I mean, you know, back in the early two thousands, they couldn't fill that place. That's true. Uh, and there were five six thousand fans. They were showing right. up to the game, and they turned that right around. Come Maybe. in, bring in proper, you know, and you know, and the guy, you know, there's a, the guy who doesn't get credit because he doesn't, he isn't there anymore. Uh, is Dale Talon? Dale Talon, uh, and you know, most of those players that are there now are were a good part of that, um, a good part of the success. Were drafted by Dale Talon, like yeah. most of them. And, you know, and it started with him and turned over to Stan Bowman, went to Scotty Bowman's an advisor, Joel Quinville, ownership, leadership, uh, Taves, Kane, drafting, uh, the right people, the right structure. You know, that's how you build a successful franchise. Scotty Bowman, 14 cups. Yeah. 14 Isn't that incredible? Cups. That's incredible. He's that's been incredible. involved with Anyways. 14 Stanley Cups. Scotty Bowman, certainly a legend, uh, has been on our show. We've talked to him a couple of times. Another legend that we're absolutely thrilled to talk to this morning, the uh, first Cy Young Award winner in Toronto Blue Jays history, one of the most beloved 
Toronto Blue Jays of all time, one of the classiest Toronto Blue Jays of all time, Pat Henkin. Pat, uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, good morning. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And happy Father's Day to you as well. Uh, we know uh, uh, we know that this uh, day is probably pretty bittersweet for you. Uh, this is the first Father's Day since uh, you lost your dad, and you were very close to your dad. Um, and, that, you know, that's been reported. And uh, what's it feel like for you today, Pat? Well, you know what? I, I have a lot of friends that didn't have a relationship like I had with their dad. So, I mean, over time... He passed away January 4th, this past January, and over time I've had a chance to think about all the memories and think about all the good times that we spent together, and I realized how grateful I am, you know, that, that I was able to do that. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys that just don't see their dad. I mean, they live out of state, or, or their dad passed away at a young age, or divorced, or moved out of the country, whatever it is. You know, I just uh, just kind of count the blessings for the fact that I had a chance to live a mile away from my dad for 45 years. You know, so pretty damn cool. That's terrific. That's terrific, Pat. The uh, Blue Jays of this year. We, uh, how does that? Does this remind you of the '93 team a bit? It does for me offensively. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, I think that um, you know, you just go through the comparisons with Reyes and Ricky, and then you know, you got Alomar and you got uh, Batista or, or Donaldson. You know, there are some similarities. The one through five, one through six. Um, I think that right now they're they're just playing so well and hitting the ball so well. It's been it's been actually super fun to watch. I know for from a fan standpoint, but you, you got to give some credit to the seven eight nine. And I think that's one of the things in '93 that nobody remembers is that you know guys like Ed Sprague hit 270 with 23 homers in the seven hole. You know, uh, Pat Borders hit 250 with probably 12 or 13 home runs in the eight hole. And, and you know you don't you forget about the the production that we were getting at the bottom of the lineup as well. Yeah, that's what I saw, the comparison offensively. Now, pitching-wise, there, there are some comparisons, but I thought uh, you had more veterans back then. Um, what do you think we need to uh, get us over the hump here? Well, like the old cliche, baby, can't have enough pitching. <laughs> pitching. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you can upgrade your pitching staff in the rotation or in the bullpen or either one, or maybe you maybe you upgrade the rotation and, and that pushes somebody into the bullpen, which upgrades both spots. So, yeah, I, I would say pitching first and foremost. I think that that's pretty much on everybody's radar, though. That's the problem is there's 29 teams that want to upgrade their pitching right now. Uh, Pat, uh, talking about pitching in the Jays, of course, you were, you've been, uh, you've been uh, quite involved in the development of, of, of some of the young arms on, uh, on the Jays, your bullpen coach, and obviously doing some, uh, some other work for the Jays. Uh, Sanchez and some of the other young pitchers, uh, what do you see in them? Sanchez has got an electric arm. You know, he, he, uh, he's just got to figure out a routine to stay on the field. I think right now he's got a little uh, back-of-lat problem. And that's usually the brakes that slow your arm down. He's real sore back there. They put him on the DL. I think he's going to have to find a routine, whether it's doing a little bit more, maybe doing a little bit less. Uh, not exactly sure. I'm not with the team this year day-to-day. But for the most part, electric arm, great stuff. Um, wow, I really see a really high ceiling. I, I feel like you know he's the type of guy that could pitch game one of a playoffs for you. You know, He just has to figure out how to get on that field and stay on that field and be consistent. You know, maybe pick Mark Burley's brain. The guy's the ultimate durable starting pitcher. So there's a routine that each guy has to come to. 
Uh, as far as some of the other young guys, like um, Hutchinson, you know, and guys like that, they've been pretty good. I mean, you know, they've really had a good month the last month and a half or so. I know they have their ups and downs, but for the most part, you know, you got to feel pretty good to be a starting pitcher right now on this <laughs> team. I remember in 93, man, it was like, man, just get through the fifth. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah. chance to win. <laughs> yeah. Pat, uh, a lot of pitchers are uh, suffering from Tommy John. They have to have Tommy John surgery. And in the old days, I remember there wasn't that many injuries to uh, pitchers. What's what's the difference? You know, I, I saw a big story on it from James Andrews, who actually did my Tommy John surgery. You know, he he spoke and talked about the fact that kids are isolating only one sport, and they're playing baseball year-round. They're playing fed ball in AAU, and you're playing 80 games as opposed to you know, 25, 30 years ago, guys were playing probably 20, 25, 30 games at the most, you know. And I think that kids played all three sports. You know, I tell kids all the time here in Michigan, I say, you know, play all the sports. Because your basketball and football, football made me tough. It made me a tougher kid. And I think that it helped me on the baseball field. As opposed to just putting all your eggs in one basket and saying, I'm going to be a major league pitcher. All I'm going to do is pitch. I'm not going to play a position. I'm not going to bat. And I just feel like you're pounding that arm and that elbow and not letting it rest. When I played football, my baseball muscles rested. When I played basketball, my football and baseball muscles rested. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, we're talking, of course, to Pat Henkin, uh, Blue Jays legend from uh, an integral member of uh, the uh, World Series champs in, uh, in the, in the mid, uh, mid-90s. Uh, Pat, I got, a, I got a text question in from one of our loyal listeners, the governor. And I thought I thought it was a good question, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question. You're a mem- an integral member of the of the '93 World Series champs, and then then you had that 1994 strike. Uh, looking back on on that strike, how much how much do you regret it, and how much of an impact did it have on the Jays? Yeah, it was a bummer. I remember I was the assistant player rep back then, and we went into Orlando for some meetings, and they told us that you know we're gonna pick this date, August 12th, I believe. And that's the date that we're going to go on strike. And I remember a lot of guys, know, nobody wanted to go on strike. We actually went out, we actually picked that date to give the owners and the Players Association seven full weeks to get something figured out before the playoffs even started. Not even dreaming, and no chance that we thought that they would cancel the playoffs in the postseason. And, and uh, you know, looking back on it, it's unfortunate. It stinks. You know, but you've got to remember the players before you. You know, the 81 strikes, you know, the work stoppage and, you know, and on and on and on. So for me, I think it was just we listened to Don Fear, okay, and the player Association stuck together, and I think that was the key. Now, uh, getting back to the 93 World Series, you had Cito Gaston as a manager, and you were involved in the team in 92, and you, I think you broke in in 91, right? Yeah. What did Cito mean as a manager? Because he, I don't feel he gets enough credit for what he accomplished those two seasons. Yeah, I hear you. I agree because, you know, what happens is if you have a pretty good roster and that you win, they're like, well, you're supposed to win. And then if you don't win, they're like, well, what's wrong with you? You're the manager. You can't win with this roster. It's almost like lose-lose. It's kind of like when you're a pitcher and you're struggling and they send you down to AAA. You go, well, you dominate in AAA. Well, you should dominate in AAA. And then you go down to AAA and you don't do well, and they go, man, what's wrong with you? You can't get anybody out in AAA. So it's almost lose-lose getting sent down to AAA. It's not easy. Now, now that being said, I always liked Cito. Cito was a player's manager. I, I, you know, he had two rules. Be on time, play hard. If you can't live by those two, you have a problem. And, uh, you know, he stuck with his starting pitchers. He definitely, he, he definitely let the starting pitcher get out of it more so than a lot of managers. Um, that being said, he gave me the ball every fifth day. I flourished as a major league starter and learned a lot from him. 
Uh, we're, of course, talking to Pat Henkin, uh, Blue Jays star from the 1990s, and Pat still involved with the with the Blue Jays organization. Um, the Blue Jays, uh, you know, it was I guess it was easier for starting pitchers back in the nineties uh, when you when you had when you had Henke and Dwayne Ward coming in after you. Uh, and there's, uh, it seems like the role of the closer in baseball seems to have changed somewhat over the years. And one of the criticisms of the current Jays that you probably don't want to get into specifics, but you know, obviously we don't have a closer that we had. But the whole role of closer has changed. Uh, is that is that in fact correct, uh, Pat? Has the game changed from that point of view? Well, I think I saw the other day, I think it was the Indians. They went into a rain delay with the bases loaded, and they were out on the field. And I, I may have caught this or misread it. I, I can't remember exactly the scenario, but it was like the fifth inning, rain delay. They came back out with their closer in the fifth inning after the rain delay. Now, maybe I, maybe I misread it or maybe I didn't see the ticker right or the, the scoreboard. But I, I, my point is this. He brought in his best reliever in the highest leverage position. Even though it wasn't the ninth inning, he brought him in in the fifth or sixth inning after a rain delay because he knew this is a bases loaded. If I don't nip this in the butt right here, we're going to lose the game. And, and I think that you're right. The closing role has evolved. It's going to take a manager with some big guts to go out and do the high leverage, best reliever scenario. So you're going to, have to tell your, your ninth inning guy, Tom Hankey, hey, you've been pitching the ninth inning for years. You're geared to pitch the ninth inning only with a three-run lead or less. Now, you know what? Be ready mentally in the sixth inning because I might bring you in in the sixth inning when the starting pitcher's got first, second, nobody out. I and mean, you can come in and punch out two guys and get a ground ball and get out of there and then have someone else pitch tonight. That's a, that's a good argument. People have argued this. Everybody says it's hard to pitch ninth inning. I agree. It is hard to pitch ninth inning. But sometimes ninth inning is cakewalk. Sometimes it's a three-run lead. You got the 7-8-9, you know, or you got the 8-9-1. You know, where all the highest leverage innings were done in the, the starting pitcher did it and then the, and then the setup guy did it. Take Wardo and Hanke, for example. Wardo got some huge outs in the middle of the lineup that he'd come in and punch out the three, the four, and get a pop-up by the five hole, and then come back out and pitch the eighth. And I'm not taking anything away from Hanke. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. I only played one year with Hanke, and my first year was his last in Toronto. So, But, yeah, you're right. It was an unbelievable shutdown bullpen. Yeah, Dwayne Ward uh, pitched at both ends, in middle re- in the middle relief and then in, as a closer, and did great at both. I mean, he was a great pitcher. Great stuff, too. He was. Wardo, Wardo was a great reliever, man. He was the best reliever I ever played with, I thought. He was a shutdown guy that punched people out, durable, pitched every day, pitched multiple innings. See, that's the thing that I, when I was the bullpen coach, I used to tell the guys, if you're only going to pitch one inning, you better be good. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> you need to pitch more than one inning. You know, this this uh, I, it used to bug me. They'd come in and say, well, I had to go in and sit down and then get back up, and I don't like doing that. I said, well, you know what? You just, you better deal with it because you're not good enough to pitch one inning. You know, and, and that's just an excuse. It's a built-in excuse because the starting pitcher goes out and does it six, seven times. Sit down, get back up, six innings. You know, all these guys were starters in high school and college. So it's a mentality, I think. A lot of the fans have been asking me about Marcus Stroman and his comeback. Do you think he could come back for September? Because we're hearing September reports, and I'm astonished that he'd be able to be back so soon. Well, I think the only one saying September is Marcus Stroman. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know right now. I'm not a doctor, obviously, but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, he's he's a hell of a competitor, 
and it wouldn't surprise me. Although I don't really know the protocol with that. I know that the organization's not going to rush a high-ceiling uh, starting pitcher like that. No chance. Uh, Pat, uh, we're talking to Pat Henkin, uh, Blue Jays star from the 1990s. Pat, we've only got uh, about a minute and a half left with you, and uh, it is Father's Day. Uh, I know how close you were to your father, and you spent, uh, basically, you took some time off from the Blue Jays to spend the um, the last year with your dad, and uh, and uh, tell us how much that will mean to you in the ongoing years. Yeah, you know, it was a no-brainer for me. You know, my dad got diagnosed with mesothelioma. It's the cancer you see on TV. It affects the lining of the lungs. And uh, he was working in the trades back when he was 20, and it took about 45 years for this to reach its peak. Um, so, you know, we had tried different treatments and stuff, and we did the chemos, and nothing worked. So, you know, I, there was no chance that I was going to go back to do the bullpen, uh, not, not in that situation. I needed to be home for my mom. You know, we caregived for a year. And, uh, you know, for all the caregivers out there listening, God bless you, because that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And uh, I'm proud to say that I did it. I'm proud that I did it for my father, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It's not about that. It's just the fact that that was a hard thing to do. And to watch that happen day after day like that. Um, so I'm just glad I have the support of my family because it was a rough time for my family at that time. Anyways, we've been talking to Pat Henkin. And, uh, Pat, it's, uh, I don't know how to express on, by, on behalf of myself and, 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 and Naz uh, how thankful we are and how privileged uh, we feel that uh, you took the time uh, to spend with us this morning on, on a day that's, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of, a lot of memories and, uh, a lot of emotions for you today. And for you to take the time for us today, it is certainly tremendously appreciated. We thank you so much. Oh, okay. Thanks for having me guys. Thanks, Happy Pat. Day. It's our pleasure. Thank you. That of course was Pat Henkin and, um, what a class act. Yeah, really. Class act. He knows his stuff too. Right? And he knows his stuff, uh, one He's of, a competitor. You can tell. Like he must have been a, a very aggressive type of player. He he's well, a competitor. Well, they're all. You know what? When you, you know, when you when you become a world class athlete, and that's what you know, we tend to forget that when you, if you make the major leagues, in any of the major sports, whether it be baseball or hockey or football or whatever, you are a world class athlete and world. Athletes don't get to be world-class by, by not being competitors. It's interesting how he said he played other sports, and football was a big factor of why he was so good as a pitcher because it gave him the competitiveness. Well, it's amazing. You, well, you know, a lot of, you know, this is, when we talk about injuries in, in sports and baseball, you know, the, the arms and, 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 and a lot of professional athletes, some of the older ones, and Wayne Gretzky used to make this point all the time, because Wayne Gretzky never played summer hockey, and now you see in minor hockey today, you see you know kids are playing hockey from the age of five. They're playing it year round, and and Wayne Gretzky always used to say, when the hockey season's over, go do something else, go play baseball, go play soccer, go develop other muscles, lacrosse, go d- lacrosse, develop other muscles, other uh, skill sets, other teammates. You know, you know, and, and some people are just not of the opinion that you should do a sport full time year round. But unfortunately, we're out of time. We can have that. Uh, we can have that debate, uh, Naz. I know that uh, I'm going to give you the privilege this week of, of signing off for us. So be we'd my like guest. to wish everybody, all the fathers out there, a happy Father's Day from from the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Have a great day, folks. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. 
Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.